Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. Is this five minutes or is this a big episode? No, this is a regular episode. Okay, just checking. Well, yep. you've, gotten, you've gotten everyone accustomed to a, a quick yeah, five sorry. minute. Yeah, no, no. You, and I'm sorry that we're <laughs> coming to you at whatever time you're listening to this. It's not 5 a.m. We've been posting those at 5 a.m. Not we, the computer. We are not awake at 5 a.m. Yes, those are all pre-recorded. As, as much as Father l- would love to wake up crazy early and record a meditation. Yeah, I, I don't know how coherent we no. would, he would be at five a.m. <laughs> I could be very. Co- I, I, I entered a sick call at five a.m. on Thursday morning, and or, no, Friday morning. Yeah, but that's a one-off to, to do that yeah. every single day. You'd be surprised how, like, you know, you're like the you sound like that. That I'm, I'm, I see the phone go off, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm, oh, the phone's going off. Good morning. This is Father Manning, <laughs> and you wouldn't think that. And they were saying, Father, woke up. No, of course you didn't wake me up. You know. But the other day I did, she asked me, Father, do we get, I mean, no, she said to me, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, I'm, I'm glad to know that you were awake. I go, no, you, I was like, no, I was asleep as after a 12 minute conversation. No, I was asleep, but um, was going to ring for another hour, but okay. Anyway, speak, speaking of temptations, the temptation of sleep that we always have. Oh, yeah. Had the temptations of Christ yesterday. We'll talk about that. We'll briefly talk about, uh, you know, we've been going over, over the daily gospel. We'll briefly get to the day's gospel, which is... Pretty powerful as well, but yesterday, I mean, we start off Lent by, you know, 40 days, desert, Lent, temptations, hungry, fasting, Jesus, all these things are going on, and everybody, I mean, we yeah, first of all, let's talk about Ash Wednesday. We, we, we went on Ash Wednesday, we recorded a podcast on Ash Wednesday, we did record a podcast on Ash Wednesday last year, I, I checked, yeah. and... We, we recorded around 11 a.m. and we had already like done three masses, but nothing prepared us for the four three masses in one service yeah. we had left the, to go. In the late afternoon and evening. All packed. Yep. You know, I, I had been telling Father Andrew, you know, oh, no, no, after the 5.30, the 5.30 is the biggest one, but after the, end of the 7 o'clock, you know, it's chill. It's going to be... Surprise! Yeah, just... <laughs> I, I was... Jorge was home already and I kept texting him, are we just past 300? Just past 400. This is before the Mass started. Then after Mass started, we passed 500. People kept coming. 600. And around the homily, the 700th person walked in. Wow. And it was just incredible. Incredible. People, you know, we talked about it a little bit last week. Why do people come? And the thing is that, you know, we're going to talk about the, a lot about the question why in, in, in today's episode, because it was basically the basis of my homily yesterday. But at some point you say, Aren't you glad they're there? You know, it's it's just you know for the CCD students, you know, a lot of a lot of people have jumped on that ship, knowing that it's a quick fifteen minute mm-hmm. service. You jumped on that ship, you know. So it's like, uh, it just why? I mean, you you were there for for a bunch of them, you know. What was your impression of Ash Wednesday as a whole? Well, I mean, it it doesn't come as a surprise that that I was just loving it, you know, yeah. to see all these new people 
these new faces. I mean, no, our a lot of new faces. Yeah. I think our total attendance was like thirty two hundred. Thirty two hundred, which is yeah. which is more than double our regular Sunday attendance. No, Sunday attendance is two thousand, around two thousand on a on a good week. On a good week, yeah. Um, and and yeah, you know, the temptation is always to look at them like, oh, who are you? Why are you taking my seat? <laughs> but there is nothing more joyful than to see the church full, whether it's regulars, daily mass goers, or, you know, just people coming in for the fir- very first time. And, well, you know, we, we had a whole episode on that one email we received from Diana last season or two seasons ago. They just happened to come and, and oh, your yeah. homily touched them. And we we started emailing back and forth. And, and now the, she and her husband are catechumens. Yeah, your mom heard that by mistake last time. I think it was a new episode. <laughs> you know, she she just, they just went through the rite of election. Their kids are in religious. Ed the preparing. kids are baptized. Yeah, they were just baptized go, a couple weeks ahead ago. Of, they're ahead of you. You know, and this is this is what the church does at its finest. And you know, when we just open the doors and we say, "Come on in," you know, we're here for you. And you know, I mentioned ID yesterday. We'll get to that. Um, we don't ask for ID, no. like for funerals. I say this a lot. I was like. And the biggest sinner in the world. And the church always opens the doors to do a funeral. Like how many mafia guys have we, have we buried, you know, over the years? It was, um, you know, there, there's so many, that's what happens is the church just opens the doors and says, we don't ask for ID. We don't ask for, you know, you want, you want ashes? We'll give you ashes. So, you know, and Father Andrew points has a lot of Protestants. Uh, I, I, like I said, I've, I've said this before, we have four hospital chaplains in our in, in our rectory, and we were comparing notes, I don't know if it was Wednesday night or sometime on Thursday or in the course of the week, and Father Stephen told me the chapel was over, no, they did it in the auditorium. Uh, Father Francis, our new priest from Baptist, Maine, on 87th and, and 88th, and Kendall, he said that the CEO of Baptist wow. was there at Mass, and it was just overflowing. They did several Masses throughout the day at Baptist. Uh, Father Uko and Father Juan had to take uh, ashes, had to come back for more ashes. Yep. It was it was just incredible, and doesn't matter. We don't ask. Like I said we don't ask for ID because at the at the end of the day, we're all sinners. Yep, we're all sinners. Yeah, and, and we have no way of knowing what drew them. Yeah, and we have no way of knowing what went during that, whether it's the, the twenty minute prayer service or, or the forty five minute mass or, or a full hour mass on a weekend. What touches them? You know what change what what moves their heart, and where that's going to lead. Yeah, and again, just to to use our friend Diana as an example, she came to mass, just, Oh, let me go, let me go check, check this out. Yeah. And, you know, here we have two new Catholics already, two more on the way, you know, we'll, we'll have, they'll be baptized on Easter, you know, and, and then the girls next year will celebrate their first communion. And how beautiful is that? And that's one family, you know, how many more just like that are in our pews unknown to us? You know, how many more just like those are in, in our churches, unknown to us but that's what happens when we just open the doors and say come on in you're welcome here i'm about to throw georgia curveball it's the theme of today's episode both in the first and second segment is father manny george you know just yeah. get, getting revved <laughs> up because you know for every for every email we have for diana you have an extra email that oh, is I know like where this is going. <laughs> oh. when you said it, i was like uh, yeah. because some people don't understand what you were just talking about about being welcoming by being hospitable, and Father Andrew, to his credit, on on Sunday, 
uh, the Sunday before Ash Wednesday said, you know, Ash Wednesday is coming. A lot of people, it's our chance to be charitable, yep. to be hospitable, our chance to shine. But what happened, Jorge? Uh, let me not get into too much detail. It's 10.15 in the morning on Monday. Yeah. I've had a good day so far. So and, he has, and he's not on coffee, remember. <laughs> and I'm not on coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he's not on coffee, remember. All right, so Ash Wednesday evening. Seven we, o'clock. Seven o'clock. We, we have religious ed classes at 6.30, so I always say to the catechists, Hey, it's not every day you get to go to mass on a Wednesday with your kids. So I make it optional. I don't require them to go. I say, if you want to go at seven, take your classes over for Ash Wednesday mass. Fantastic. Now, our confirmation kids. Pre and, and current. Yeah, first year or second year. Yep. Maybe, you know, maybe they're not the, the most uh, devout, devout, regular uh, mass attendees. Mm-hmm. But they're here. We don't know why they're here, but they're here. We talked about yeah about the yeah. people coming for ashes, and no, and and even just for religious ed, you know, whether they're here for for the the deep reality of the sacrament or just you know, mom and dad said I have to come and it's time for confirmation. Okay, but they're here and, and we welcome them. We minister to them. Kind of cross our fingers, hope for the best. By the way, before before I'm sorry to interrupt, but the. Most listened to episode I was because I was here, you know, when yeah. I was posting these things, is the one that we talked about with the kids and yeah. why they come and, and and why they question us. Nice. Mm. So our confirmation kids went over to mass, and maybe they didn't behave the best, which is inexcusable. Twelve and thirteen year olds, you know, but and we'll address it with them. But there are kids who don't usually come to mass and. It's kind of expected. Our catechists kind of keep them towards the back, knowing if they're not there with their parents, mischief will <laughs> will happen. So 8.23 p.m. Thankfully, I didn't get this message. I didn't read it until the next morning. 8.23 p.m., not even 20 minutes after Mass had ended, I get a, an email sent to the general contact us ranting about how bad these kids behaved, you know, how they ruined the mass experience for this person and all the people sitting around it. I guess she just kind of knew. What was this person's solution? Uh, What we should have done? That they should have not been allowed to attend mass. Ah! They should have been removed Removed. and not allowed, she said, not allowed to ruin the experience. Ah! For everyone else. She should come during a 1030 mass when there's kids all over yes. the place. And then said, I'm going to go back to my own parish. I said, okay. <laughs> like I said, for every Diana, there's, yeah. there's emails like that. Yeah. And, and, and just Fun times. Because Fun he, times. Because Jorge wanted to share because he loves to share with me so many things. And so when I woke up that morning, since he had already been up because of the kids, that was the first thing I read. You're welcome. <laughs> you're, you're, thank you. <laughs> so I was like, you know, but to, but to, to be... It did not ruin for me. Usually things like that ruin, you know, comment, little snide thing that, you know, and I'm like, it's like, you know, again, the temptation, Satan, we're going to get into that. We'll, yeah. we'll get into, trust me, eight yeah. minutes and we haven't, 10 minutes and we haven't got into it. You know, they, they kind of get on it, crawl into your skin, oh, yeah. but I didn't. And I had a whole response ready to go. And I'm like, why? No, no. For what? Does, does, you know, you and, know, and, I, and I asked you if you responded, and you said, Pake, you know, for what? Um, I didn't, I go, look at all the good that we did yesterday. Like we could, you know, people came late and said, "Father, can I get the ashes?" It was late. It was eight thirty already. They came because 
the new masters over and that's yep. when they can walk in and walk out and Mike I'm not gonna get into the you know, cat I just get in the ashes yep. and you do more I could do more good can we be better in terms of catechesis can we do we'll, we'll evaluate all that but it, you know it's the temptation to like uh to separate God that which is at the heart of yesterday's mm-hmm. gospel which is now this is a good segue into getting into it you know the separation from God is what Satan is trying to do with Jesus. You know, he's trying to say, you know what? I don't want you to listen to your father. Because you, I can give you everything, or you could do it yourself because, and this was a phrase that I started off with, which is a phrase that Satan started off with twice in two of his temptations, if you are the son of God. And I said, okay, how many times have we walked into church, walked into the chapel, gone outside our house into the backyard and screamed up into the heavens, if you are the Son of God, why is my child sick? If you are the Son of God, why am I unemployed? If you are the Son of God, why did X, Y, or Z happen? Why did this tragedy happen? Why was there an earthquake in Turkey and Syria that killed 40,000 people? Why is there still war in Ukraine? If you are the Son of God, none of this should be happening. Now, you have a point. None of this should be happening, but it's not the Son of God's fault. He didn't come to bring enmity among men. He didn't come to bring discord among men. He didn't come to bring sin into the world. He came to bring love, mercy, redemption into the world. But, and this is where yesterday's gospel and the temptation from chapter 4 of Matthew goes hand in hand with the first reading from the book of Genesis, where you know, he was walking around the garden. And what Satan could not accomplish with Jesus in the desert, St. Paul mentioned that in the second reading, he's able to accomplish at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. And so, and I, and I love the way that the author phrases it, the serpent was the most cunning of all the animals. And he's like, okay, let me separate you from God. He goes, oh no, God doesn't want you to to, to eat from that fruit because then you'll be like you know everything you know between right and wrong and you'll be like gods but the thing is that they were already like gods they were made in God's image and likeness they were there in paradise they didn't need anything else but here's what happens is that we so I mean so many times like I said how many times do we say the same line that Satan said if you are the son of God because as if we know better than God and yesterday, both Father Andrew and I, me more than Father Andrew, um, since he's <laughs> less removed from seminary than I am, you know, I had done a cursory read of, of Benedict Sixteenth, you know, seminal book of mm. Jesus of Nazareth. And I remember a couple months ago that Father Andrew told me, oh, no, for Lent, you go to Jesus of Nazareth and it's a whole chapter in the Temptations of Christ. I devoured that chapter. That's like 30, 40 pages. And I gave a reflection on it on Monday, on Saturday morning. And I, and I texted you. I go, I got 90 minutes worth of material. I have to condense to 10 minutes. I, don't, I think it was 10 minutes. Maybe 15 minutes. It was, I tried. It was a lot less at, at the 530 Mass. But, but Benedict is like, okay, Satan is successful with Adam and Eve. But what he tries to do with Jesus is what, what he tried to do, which is what he did with Adam and Eve, is to separate us from God, to go through life. Benedict said this a long time, Archbishop Wenski repeats it a lot of time as well, is to go through life without God, mm-hmm. separated from God. 
But why did Satan? No, you know, not why did Satan do this? Is to his master plan is to separate us from the love of God. Is to deceive us into thinking, no, oh, we don't. I don't need God. I could go through life. I'll be perfectly happy. You know, and when the answer is no, you can't. You think you may have glimpses of it, but Jesus, you know, Jesus is there, and Jesus goes in the desert, and and you may ask, okay, well, why did Jesus? You 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 go through the Gospel of Matthew, even the Gospel of Luke. Right after Jesus is baptized, he's led by the Spirit. The Gospel writer tells us into the desert. Why did Jesus have to go into the desert? And Benedict writes, well. It's a descent into the perils besetting mankind. For there is no other way to lift up fallen humanity. Jesus has to enter into the drama of human existence, for that belongs to the core of his mission. He has to penetrate it completely down to its uttermost depths in order to find the lost sheep, to bear on his shoulders this sheep, and to bring the sheep home. So Jesus has to take on, my friends, all the things that we experience, hunger, thirst, all the temptations. I made the analogy, it's like a boat, you know, small boat in high surf and high winds, you know, being cast aside, you know, you know, like a rag doll, you know, uh, in high waves. That's how temptation hits us from all sides. Jesus has to experience that. He's like us in all things but sin, but what he does is he doesn't succumb to those temptations. He is, you know, trying to say, no, I can't push my father aside. You know, so many times, and Benedict says, is at the heart of all temptations, as we see here, is the act of pushing God aside because we perceive him as secondary, if not actually superfluous and annoying in comparison with all the apparently far more urgent matters that fill our lives. I should have gone deeper into that, but I didn't have time. Yeah, and, and that's what the devil does. You know, the, the master of lies, he's, and you, you mentioned it, you know, he, he, when he wants to tempt us, he doesn't come, you know, with the, with the poison apple that looks disgusting, you know, dripping in poison, you know, it's going to come as a nice, beautiful, good thing, attractive, you know, and, and that's where we trip up, you know, and, you know, you, his, his master plan is, is to separate us from God, and you said to, to make God secondary, and when you were reading the, the gospel, the line that stood out to me is when he goes for the third temptation, takes him up to the, the highest mountain, and then the Satan says to Jesus, look at all of this. I will, I will give all of this to you. And I'm sitting there going, wait a second, who are you? <laughs> who are you to give Jesus, any, who are you to give anyone anything? <laughs> you know, you don't have that power. And, and so often we give Satan more power than he has. Ah. Uh we believe satan has a, this like supernatural ability that he doesn't you know not not to say that he's not powerful you know he he's very convincing he's he's very mischievous he is the the master of lies but you know just look at that line you know i will give all this to you but who are you to give it to me it's not yours to give to begin with sometimes we give i remember this was a line from his director, because you know the devil made me do it. That's an old Flip Wilson line mm -hmm. I just dated myself in the 1970s from his comedy show. Devil made me do it, 
And during the height of the charismatic revival renewal in this country in the 80s, um, people were laying hands on other people and, and, and calling on, you know, and saying, you know, be gone, evil spirits, and they didn't know what they were doing. To the point where Bishop Ravon, imagine an auxiliary bishop back in the 80s had to write a pastoral letter to tell these people to knock it off because you're dealing with things that you don't understand. Yes, he does exist, to quote verbal kin from the usual yep. suspect. <laughs> you know, anything I was going to go there? Greatest trick the devil pulled off is convincing the world he didn't exist. Yep. And so he says, oh, I don't believe in the devil. Oh, no, he's very real. He's there in the gospel. Mm -hmm. He confronts our Lord. But to, to your point of he took him to the highest mountain, and I mentioned that during the homily, even, and, and even Pope Benedict mentions it in his meditation, that, you know, like, yeah, all this, it, does, it, it doesn't come out in this gospel, in, the, in this gospel, excuse me, <clears throat> in this gospel of Matthew, the devil took Jesus up to the very, a very high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world and their magnificence, and he said to him, all these I shall give to you if you would just prostrate yourself and worship me. And the other, it's like, it's like, all these have been given to me. Which is like, okay, yeah. The devil's running amok. The world does belong to him because look at what's going on in the world. But, it's and I mentioned that, like what you said, you're like, dude, this is Jesus. Belong to him. The, the point that Benedict makes is why does it belong to Jesus? Because while the devil may be, you know, like, may think of himself as the Lord of all these kingdoms, Jesus is Lord of both heaven and earth. And there's a distinction. Any power, and Jesus says this to Pilate, any power that anyone has comes from above. When I was doing the, um, uh, the morning of reflection for the Order of Malta that I dove deeper into this on Saturday morning, I mentioned that this is where, you know, the, the church would get in trouble throughout the ages when they say, okay, we can make you king because we have the authority to make you king. And, and, and we kind of see the, uh, the, the descendant of that when we, when we come up to the coronation of King Charles in, 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 in England coming up in, in May, that that whole ceremony that we're going to see that hasn't been seen since 1952. That whole ceremony... Uh, comes from the Catholic coronation of kings. In fact, as one of the Knights of Malta reminded me, uh, in the Orthodox Church, it's still it's considered sacramental to crown a king. So, because you have the anointing, you know, mm -hmm. you know, when when you go back to when Saul was was anointed king, when David was anointed king, you know, the oil is put over them. Same thing happens to us when we are baptized. We are baptized priest, prophet, and king, but we share in in Christ. Divine kingship, which is a, which is today's gospel, a servant kingship. Because today's gospel is Matthew twenty-five. We go from one extreme of Matthew to the other. <laughs> you know, for I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was stranger and you welcomed me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you tended to me. And I asked, well, when were you? When were you all? When you? When were you like that? Well, whatever you did for the least of my little ones, you did it for me. But when you don't do it for me, eternal damnation. And it's very, very clear. Christ wants to spend all his time with us. He wants to spend eternity with us. But we have to be charitable towards one another. And we can't kick God to the side because all these temptations. You go back to the first one. If you are the Son of God, command these loaves, I mean, these stones to be turned into loaves of bread. Yes, Christ multiplied the bread. Mm -hmm. 
Could have easily done it. Could have easily done it. But no one does not live by bread alone, but by the very word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Oh, that was like, huh. Let me try again. <laughs> if you are the son of God, take him to the parapet of the temple, the top of the temple. And he goes, ah, oh, no, I got him now. I'm going to use scripture. But here's the thing. The devil knows scripture. Better than us. <laughs> Better than us. The devil knows scripture. And he quotes Psalm 91. He goes, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. See, the first one was a practical temptation. Jesus was hungry. This one was just hubris. It's like saying, prove, your son, mm. prove that you're a son of God. Yeah. Well, and that's why you know, the when you were saying, you know, so often we say, if you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do that. The, the kind of flip side of that, which we see more often, is, uh, you know, Lord, give me, do this for me, and then I will yeah. start going to Mass. It's quid pro quo. You know, d- give me this miracle, uh, mm-hmm. give me this healing, heal this person, you know, give me this job, whatever, you know, and then I will start praying more. I will start going to Mass more often. I will, you know, as a result of, of you know, this, show yourself, you know, right. put your cards on the table. Let me see that uh-huh. you are real and then i will believe it's like no that's it's the other way around <laughs> it, it's it's hubris and arrogance which yep. i talked about a lot yesterday that the devil says i'm gonna go down there i'm gonna quote scripture for you he goes because yep. psalm 91 says you know if you're the son of god throw yourself down for it is written psalm 91 he will command you his angels concerning you and with their hand they will support you lest you dash your foot against the stone and jesus says again it is written you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Yep. Old Testament, he's quoted. And so many times we put God to the test. What you were just saying now, yep. where I, I harped on. It says we're, we, we want Jesus to prove himself. And I mentioned the ID. It's like, yep. you know, it's like we, want to, we want to card Jesus like mm-hmm. a, a kid coming up to a bartender and saying, give me a beer. You know, and, and yep. we go in, and, and I mentioned Izzy, and Izzy wasn't there. And she calls me, I heard you mention me, and I wasn't there. I'm like, mm-hmm, you're lost. You know, because it happened with Izzy. We were we were at a restaurant. That's a dumb rule, though. It was so dumb. It's like, oh, no, because Izzy had not, re- you know, Izzy's 22, about to turn yeah. 23. Which and, the ID clearly states. Which the ID clearly states. But, but she had the, the vertical ID. Instead of the horizontal. But the, the the restaurant had a rule that if it was not horizontal, they wouldn't serve it. I go, that's, I guess, illegal? I mean, that, whatever. So Izzy went dry for a while. But, <laughs> you know, great. So... But, this, but we put the same, you know, what I, what I, what Benedict says is this. When, when we ask Jesus to prove himself, when we ask God to prove himself, and, and even Benedict says, when we ask the church to prove itself, mm-hmm. like if you are Christ, if you are God, if you are Christ, if you are the church, and he mentions and he goes off on a long, long meditation on this, then there should be no hunger in the world. There should be no hunger in the world. Show yourself. ID. I need, I want some ID. Are you the son of God? Come on. Produce the ID. Like, you know, bring down a bowl of lightning. Yeah. Turn these loaves into, turn these stones into loaves of bread. You know, throw yourself in the temple. Let the angels catch you. What the Pope says is this, and this is brilliant. We are dealing here with the vast question as to how we can and cannot know God. How are we related to God? And how can we lose him? The arrogance that would make God an object and impose our laboratory conditions upon him is incapable of finding him. There's that word arrogance. In other words, that we give it's like a litmus test that we apply to God. 
For it already implies that we deny God as God by placing ourselves above him. Because when we say, if you are God, and that's what Satan was trying to do. I'm more powerful than yep. you. I've been at this for a couple of cent, you know, a couple of millennia, and now you're going to show up and mess my good thing? So, no, I'm going to try to discard you. I'm going to try to say I'm more powerful than you. And, you know, and not Jesus. His mother who squashes his head. So, this implies that we deny God as God by placing ourselves above him, by discarding the whole dimension of love by, and, and of interior listening, by no longer acknowledging as real anything but what we can experimentally test and grasp. To think like that is to make oneself God. So, here's what's, what Pope Benedict is saying. We deny God as God by placing ourselves above him, by discarding the whole dimension of love. Here's God who loves us to no end, who forgives all our transgressions, and we cast that aside. We discard the dimension of love. We discard interior listening by acknowledging by not by no longer acknowledging as real anything that we can can what we can not experimentally experimentally testing God, but we can't perceive with our senses. And to think like that, as Pope Benedict says, is to make oneself God, which is a violation of the first commandment. So that is what Satan is trying to do. And he tries to do it with all of us. Because as Jorge said, yeah, he doesn't present us with the poison apple, you know, all dirty looking. Sin always looks attractive. That's why we sin. Sin always looks appealing. That's why we sin. It's when we say no. That's what Jesus said. This is a sin. I'm not going to succumb to that temptation. Why? And this is how I concluded the homily and how Pope Benedict concludes his meditation on the temptations of Christ, saying, how do we do that? By having total trust in God. Because even though Jesus didn't throw himself from the parapet of the temple to be caught by the angels, when he finally defeated Satan in the desert, who came to minister to him? The angels. They came to his rescue anyways. Why? Because it came in at the Father's time, in the Father's moment, by following the Father's will. We're constantly putting him to the test, but Christ offers us a roadmap in this meditation, in this gospel, of how to resist the temptation by being completely obedient to the Father and abandoning ourselves to the Father's will by rejecting Satan's worldly temptations, opting for trust in the things that come from on high. Pope Benedict concludes, if you follow the will of God, you know that in spite of all the terrible things that happen to you, you will never lose a final refuge. You know that the foundation of the world is love, so that even when no human being can or will help you, you may go on trusting in the one who loves you. And that's, that's what it is. We don't trust God. We say, in God we trust. Oh, it's on the dollar bill. It's written right over the speaker's chair in the House of Representatives. In God we trust. Do we? Do all, but Father, as a nation, we don't. Well, I'm not talking about the nation. I'm talking about us. <laughs> us, you and I. Do we really trust God? That's what it boils down to. Because when you have that sin, you know, you say, no. Not only do I trust God, I have to be obedient to Him, obedient to His commandments, and love Him. It's like, you know, it's like, for example, it's a, it's a covenant relationship. It's like a married couple. You know, Okay, the husband will see, oh, you know, we walking down the street. Oh, look at that beautiful woman. Oh, she's flirting with me. Oh, but I can't do that because I love my wife too much. Same thing. We have a covenant, just like a married couple has a covenant relationship. We have a covenant relation with our God. 
And so he said, you know what? I'm not going to succumb to the sin because I don't want to injure this relationship with my creator. It's as simple as that. And that's what Jesus did when he stared down the devil. That's like, how do you follow that up? Oh, sorry. <laughs> so to follow, but I haven't finished it. You know, just, just I was like, I, I threw like, George and tossed, tossed it to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> I can't. It's like, thank you. But to, to close up uh, this thought, so as we journey in Lent, you know, we have to learn to trust the Father as Jesus trusted the Father, and I brought it for full circle. You know, Jesus, if we trust like him, then just like Christ, we will be able to resist all the lures and the lies of the evil one and fall carefree into the arms of a father who will always send his angels to guide us to the other side of the desert of Lent, where we don't question the Lord, but come to the conclusion of the centurion at the foot of the cross when he said, truly, this is the Son of God. running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? All right. So I gotta... I have to start this segment by stating, by stating we do not have note, production notes for the first segment of this podcast what do you call this i have two pages no, of have, homily notes you have in front your of homily me. but not like here's what we're this is the this is the direction we're gonna go we just kind of uh, all right 9 45 this morning no 8 45 this morning why well, uh, you no, sent it to me oh, i wrote it at 8 45 i didn't send it yeah. to 9 45 sorry i get a text from father manny send it here's our sports segment rundown and it is detailed i'm just surprised it doesn't have like we'll spend three minutes on this we'll spend five minutes on it I had, with, with I had an, time to go between masses this morning. <laughs> I, had a, I had an 8 o'clock mass and a funeral. Come on, leave me alone. So we don't do production notes for the gospel, but we have production notes. I, for what, are you, what are you calling me? What is this? I have the Bible in front of me. I have a Lenten book in front of me. I have to record two more podcasts of this. Let me have some fun. I'm not saying don't have fun. It's just it's comical when, when I got this whole note rundown of this is how we're going to do the sports segment today. <laughs> So let's take it from the top. Baseball. <laughs> He's ragging on me. All right. Baseball. Spring training started this weekend, and Jorge has, Jorge has beef already. Yeah, man. And I, I, will, I will preface this by saying I, do not, I, I can't watch spring training games. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'll, it's I'll watch a little bit here and there, but I will not sit down and like, watch Mind you, the, one, of the, one, of the run, one of the points in the rundown is to break down a spring training game, but go ahead. Yeah, no, that's, you're going to be talking to yourself there. But um, so the first first day of spring training happens, and I'm just watching highlights on Twitter and whatnot, and the size of the clock. That's that one stadium in Arizona, though. Yeah, they say the MLB stadium won't have the, the clock in the frame of the center field camera. It's supposed to be like for a left-handed batter and for a left-handed pitcher and for a right-handed but pitcher. But holy smoke, I couldn't concentrate. I was getting It was giving me anxiety watching this clock wind down between every pitch 
I'm going to go, no, 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 this is, this is not baseball. No. This is not baseball. Get that out of here. And, I, and that's just me watching like one batter, four pitches. I can't imagine having that clock there for an entire game. I'd be I'd be a nervous wreck by the end of the first inning. That was that was the San Diego game they played. I forget who they played. It was the Brewers. I don't remember. And it's not a small clock. It's no, it was massive. a big clock that was right behind home plate. And you know, so the announcers and and I and I saw maybe three different broadcasts. I didn't see that. I just saw the beginning of three or four different broadcasts this weekend. <coughs> and the announcers are like making a point of emphasis. Hey, this is what we're expecting this year. So we got to talk about it. That's great. But you're seeing like the clock winding down and you're like no man this isn't football and the thing is also we're suffering from a little ptsd because of the dolphins and their play clock situation in their last game that they played so it's like get the get the pitch off get the playoff get the snap off same thing so so what happens here's a rule all right here's a rule is that when the pitcher receives the ball, when nobody on base, the pitcher is has 15 seconds, 15 seconds to throw the pitch. Throw the pitch. Now for to the batter, for the bat, now yeah, to start his windup. So what the clock turns off when he, when the ball's at the belt. Okay, so when I can't believe we're talking about this. So when when the for the batter, the batter needs to be looking at the pitcher. Batter can't leave the batter's box, but can be looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left. The first person to violate this rule was Manny, Manny Machado. Machado. It was it was a Padres game. Who Happened was in the subsequently next, extended for eleven years, I think something a like that. Ton of money, a lot of money. Hialeah boy done good. All right, Manny Machado. He comes up and does his routine. You know, you see it a lot. You know, they'll, they'll <laughs> tap the the, the yeah. shin guards of uh, the ump with their cleats or with their bat and all that. And the umpire apparently said, Manny. Move, move it along. And when Manny was, and you have to be looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left. When Manny wasn't looking at the pitcher with eight seconds left, the umpire, which is now a new signal, you know, you have the, you know, the two arms extended, a safe signal. You know, the fist up in the air is an out sign. You know, the twirling fingers, a home run. All right. Now there's the point, your tap your, tap your, your left wrist. And, he taps his left wrist and rings Manny up for a strike. You know what Manny does in the next pick? He singles it into left field. All right, but that's not the worst thing that happened, Jorge, oh. over the weekend. On Saturday, Red Sox Braves. Okay? Now, we <laughs> Red Sox Braves. He's shaking his head here. Just, this is not. No, the reason man. why it's not. Ba- baseball is supposed to be. The, the beauty of baseball, there's no clock. Was it, um, was it Solis or was it. Um... Santos, the beauty Pol- of so, so least, the beauty so. of baseball is there is no. Our, it's a philosophy present from seven. There, there is no clock. There is no time, and there is no space. Because literally, the outfield is a is a modern invention. Yeah, the, the original game of baseball had no outfield no. wall. Yeah, the Just, wall. There's no wall. If you hit it long, okay, fielder, go run, go, go grab it, and I'm going to run around the bases like before we do you get in, to it. in backyard. So, so we just kind of set a, a a limit there. It's to supposed say. to be eternal, immortal. Yeah. It is. It is. In theory, and it still kind of is in theory, it could go on forever. Yep. In theory. But here's what the problem is. You didn't need a clock. And we'll get to the Red Sox game in a second. Rule 8.04. Keith Oberman, back when he had his show, who, you know, <coughs> we don't agree with his political leanings, and he's a little... <laughs> but when it comes to baseball, knows his stuff, 
And man can craft an argument, and the man is probably the most talented news uh, sportscaster ever in terms of reading a highlight. Just so entertaining, so good, can frame a game in the way he writes. He does it now for like political things, which is, but he did a whole rant on this back in, I want to say 2014, 20, something around that. Rule 8.04 was on the books already. I don't think it exists anymore because of this. It says this. When the bases are unoccupied, the pitcher shall deliver the ball to the batter within 12 seconds after he receives the ball. 12 seconds. It's only 15. It's 15 now. They added three. Each time the pitcher delays a game by violating this rule, the umpire shall call ball. There's no need for a clock. And Keith Olbermann said, right, you want to speed up the game? All you have to do is send a memo. Just like last year, was it last year they did the sticky stuff or the year before, whatever? They sent a rule, inspect for sticky stuff. They did it immediately. It was the year before. Guys are coming off the mound, check for sticky stuff. Now it's like, whatever. You just enforce the rule. You know, they they, sometimes they put point events on on box. And Oberman, to his credit, said, you know, see, what do you have to do? All you have to do is send a memo. The umpire... You know, you know, we were talking about signals. I'm moving my finger, you know, not like upwards, like if it was a home run, but now, now like uh, horizontal, like, move it along. Go. Let's go. 12 seconds. And the batter cannot leave the batter's box. Because Noma. Remember Noma? Oh, Noma Garcia Pera would come out of the batter's box, adjust his gloves. gloves. I don't know how many times. One time, A-Rod lampooned that at, at an all-star game to great effect, by the way. By the way, you know, strange, we're talking about tangents. Strange bedfellows. At a, I want to say the Denver Nuggets basketball game last night, and we was sitting together, A-Rod and Barry Bonds having oh. a conversation. What they must be talking about. Fascinating. I'm not going to go down that road of temptation. I <laughs> just wanted to, you know, I could have finished that thought. I'm not going to. Should not put your priest to the test. Anyway, so you could have enforced that rule and just said, it says 12 seconds. I mean, it doesn't have to be a hard and fast 12 seconds. Every umpire could be subjective, just like the strike zone. Is subjective to each umpire. It shouldn't yeah. be. But say, move it along. Yeah. Batter can't leave the batter's box. If the batter leaves the batter's box, she's not ready. That was strike. That was always my biggest after a ball. I can get, you know, if you swing, foul ball off, okay, fix your glove. Fix what? your glove. Fine. But after every pitch, now you can't. like you just go up there, it's a now it's a pitch can't. out. You gotta step out to right. fix your gloves. Come on, get out of so here. So what happened was this. So these now mind you, these guys playing in the ninth inning of the first spring training game between the Braves and this Red Sox. Our guys are going to be double-A, triple-A when spring training ends. So I don't remember the names of the guys. There's nobody that's going to be in a major league roster. So it's bases loaded, ninth inning, two outs, three-two count of a tie game. And, you know, the announcers are setting it up, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the camera is on the pitcher. You think, okay, this is going to affect the pitcher. All of a sudden, you hear the umpire, ah! And, and the announcer's like, what's going on here? Umpire points to the thing. The pit, the batter's like, wow, the pitcher violated the, 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 the did uh, something, did a balk, even though you could see clearly that the clock was still winding. Mm-hmm. But what happened was the batter was not, did not have his head facing, his face facing the pitcher with eight seconds left, and strike three was called. And that's how the inning ended. Now, mind you, during the postseason, these rules will not be in place. And I think that hopefully, hopefully, I'm not holding my breath during the duration of spring training when we get to the regular season, we'll see, okay, we can't 
ninth inning or even eighth inning, because sometimes seventh, eighth, ninth mm-hmm. innings, you get stressful situations. You bring in, let's say sometimes you want to bring your closer to face Manny Machado or to face Juan Soto or to face Mac Trotter, face Shohei Otani or to face Aaron Judge. No, that didn't mention anybody from the Marlins. We'll get to that. You bring them in early because you don't, you know, because maybe the game, the bases are loaded there and you, and those are, but you, yes, move it along. That was ridiculous. But you can't decide a game on that. Come on. The game now. Now there's no, in spring training. There's always been okay. You only play ten innings, and right. if it's still tied after ten innings, right. boom, gone. Game is tied. Now there's even not even ten innings. Game is tied. I did send you in the notes. What was the the time of games? The stat. Had? So yep. last last year's average spring training three hours. No, it was last year's regular season games. No, last 2022 MLB average spring training. Oh, game. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Come on, Mel. I'm, I thought I, I, read, I read I read it wrong. I'm sorry. Three hours. This year's down to two hours, 39 minutes. Which is good. I'm I'm fine with I'm, it. I'm good with that. But it's pace of play. It's not the length of You know, they want to see more action. You have, yeah. the, the, you you saw, I, I mean, what little baseball was able to see this weekend. You think we saw a lot, especially after this next part we're going to do. I didn't. <laughs> a busy weekend. But what little I saw was like, you saw hits that would have been stopped with shifts that um, we're so used to. That is a rule. I am a hundred thousand percent behind that. Because we went, that started with we talked about Barry Bonds. That started with Barry Bonds, yep. and then it just started getting worse and worse and worse. Now, that could have been corrected if hitters David Ortiz did this once. They had a shift onto him. You yep. know what he did? He just laid a bunt down the, the third, yep. the third baseline. Well, we talked about that last year. What, uh, there was a guy from the Marlins who do that every now and then. I'm forgetting two or three years ago. I can't forget. I don't know why I'm forgetting his name, but. He was. He would do that every now and then. And you'd have to be on. T- so they could have corrected that if the yep. hitters would just learn to hit that way mm-hmm. instead of hitting the other way. But the shift is fine. Bases look like pizza boxes. They're I big. Mean, they're big. I mean, it's, apparently, it's also to reduce injury. There's a. They just reduced the length between uh, first base and second base and second base and third base by four and a half inches. Yeah, it's a little less. Uh, because home plate right. didn't change. Whatever. So that's a big base. I don't mind it though. I like the I like the stolen bases. But I like the, the I like the only, action on the The pitcher can only go to can only try to pick off twice. On the third time, if he doesn't pick them off cleanly, the runner takes second base. Yeah. I mean, good because sometimes it's a little too much and they're and they're also doing it to waste time right. because maybe they want the bullpen to mm. you know, get ready. <sighs> I wish our commissioner loved the game <laughs> as much as we do. How uh, much do we love the game? I sat through the first inning of the Marlins' first home spring training. I mean, they had one on Saturday, but they didn't send any guys to. See, I don't. Put, I don't. I, I, you sent me the screen cap of the first inning, but I don't put too much stock into it. No, you shouldn't. But you know, the, the pitchers are still experimenting right, with new stuff. But, but. <laughs> But, <laughs> but here's what happens. Yes, Cueto. Cueto, was, our was big off-season signing. Okay, but what's not mentioned in those stats is what I saw with these two eyes. Okay, in that, okay, you had a single out of that screen was a, was already a single. Juan Yepes comes up on a line drive to right. Avisa Garcia fields it, and then the third single of the inning was. A shot to center field that, for whatever reason, 
Jazz Chisholm, who's Keith Hernandez, totally mispronounced his name <laughs> in such a way that I cannot repeat it <laughs> on, a, on, a, on, a, on a podcast that doesn't have an E rating. Uh, Jazz Chisholm, for whatever reason, thought that ball was going to clear his head and backed up when the ball landed. And he was already playing back. 30 <laughs> yards in front of him. Yeah. Okay, so that dropped. Now that, that he, he may not have caught it anyways, but still, he went back. Instead of going forward, he'll learn. But the next hit that plated two runs, Nolan Gorman from the Cardinals, singles on a line drive to right, but it was deflected by our second baseman, Luzarez, who we signed for his bat, was not a natural second baseman, handcuffed him, and it went into right field. Two runs scored with one out. Yikes. All right? Two and nothing. then we follow that up with a home run. And it's followed up by a home run. And I'm like, and then yeah. And switch the... And and I text that to Jorge. You know what Jorge responds to me? The eternal opposite. Marlins are going to win the World Series. <laughs> and what was my reaction? I'm flipping to the Yankee game. So I do. I flip over to the Yankees. Was it any better? The Yankees, <laughs> when they came up to bat, single by so-and-so, single by so-and-so. Uh, sorry. Uh, yeah. I forgot who bat leadoff. So-and-so, yeah. I forgot who bat leadoff. And then... George is giving me the wristwatch. Move it along. I'm not on a clock. Here. Yes, we have a clock. You here. are on a clock. I have a. I have an appointment <laughs> in five minutes. But let me finish this. All right. So the the, the leadoff hit gets a hit. Judge gets a hit. Glaber Torres. It's a beautiful hit. And the next batter comes up and hits a grand slam. Come on. See now they're winning the World Series. Mission twenty eight, baby. So it was such a great uh, home run that I forget who hit it. <laughs> I know it wasn't Judge. <laughs> All right, uh, moving along. We're approaching March Madness. March starts in two days, and oh. the Canes had a 25-point lead. We're no thinking, my goodness, FSU way. is bad. And you, what happened in the even, second half? You even tweeted that out, didn't I you? I tweeted it out. Did he I, delete it? I did not. <laughs> Old takes exposed. Can bring it up, but George, Florida, Florida State is a bad basketball team. They yeah. had eight wins going into that game. Yeah. Um, yeah, we blew the lead, and then we took the lead with four seconds to go, and Florida heaves a... But uh, almost from the logo yeah. hits the three. There was a ton of buzzer beaters this weekend. Iowa beating, um, I want to say Purdue. Arizona State beating Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, even e Iowa did it twice. Iowa did it. Uh, no, Iowa didn't have a, the girls did it. Yeah, I was gonna say it happened it in, the, girls. in the women's basketball. But too. Iowa had a massive comeback. They were down by 15, fourteen points with about a minute and a half left, and beat Michigan State. Excuse me. So there's a lot of buzzer beaters this weekend, which means that ah, it's a great time of year college basketball. And then Mayhem. Spe speaking of FSU and and this is, we'll end on this. FSU and the Canes. FSU has been making some statements about the financial disparity between the ACC and the SEC and Big Ten. What say you, Jorge? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Re we, realignment was this 4.0 so apparently it's going to be like a 30 million dollar discrepancy because next we're year, talking football by we're the talking, way no but but it's all sports pretty, pretty yeah much. but it's mainly football mainly football because uh next year oklahoma and texas join the sec and usc and ucla for whatever reason from the from the pacific coast are going to join the big 10 because we all want to see you know those you know them going to Piscataway, new jersey to play rutgers we are we all want to see that so there's going to be apparently a $30 million shortfall, if you will. And that's being very conservative because yep. these guys are making a ton of money. But ESPN has ACC under contract through 2036. 
And it's going to cost a lot of money, not just in paying off the ECC if you leave, but in terms of your lawyers of trying to get out because the way that it's structured in terms of the contracts is that, let me see if I get this right, is that we, the AC owns our media deals, our media rights that only they could broadcast our home games. Huh. Kind of like NBC can, mm. Notre Dame, yep. only NBC can broadcast their home games. Something like that. So intriguing. And and the and the picture I sent you was of three teams. What were the three teams? Oh, I got to pull it up. Florida State. I know Miami was on there. Uh-huh. It's the three teams that make the money for in terms of football. FSU, Clemson. Miami, and Clemson. Yep. Now, basketball, even though we could we still have an outside chance of winning the regular season title and for the second win- time. Yeah, I know. We still haven't won it in football. <laughs> and we may win the the, the we're gonna get a double bye in the tournament, which is in Greensboro. I thought it was in Brooklyn. We, we put tobacco. We, we, it's every game is a home game for any any Carolina yep. school. AC's a joke. It's a joke. It's been a joke since we joined. We should have stayed so in the Big Ten. East. I Big say Ten. Big Ten because I, I told you before we went on the air, Florida is not going to let us into the SEC. They do not want to share us. They do I'm, not want to share us. I'm good with Big Ten. So That'll be fun. It'll be fun going to Ann Arbor. You have never seen us play Ann Arbor. I remember, well, you were three years old. I was a yeah, great I totally game. remember it. I was a great game. <laughs> I only went up there. We were down big. In fact, I still remember to this day... And the name, Al Troutwig, was the ABC uh, host on the studio. And he says... He has no papers in front of him. I have no paper in front of him. This is coming from the useless files. Exactly. uh, Al Troutwig comes on to the thing, and I'm watching this. I do forget. No, I I exactly know where I was watching this. I was in my cousin's house, who (laughs) is in Jupiter right now, watching Marlon Spring Training. I was in her house watching with her brothers. Al Troutwig comes on and says... Now that Miami has lost, there's going to be a shakeup and top the polls. And we're like, yeah, Miami's going to lose. We're down big. We come back with Steve Walsh. This is 1988. And Carlos Huerta, how many papers in front of me? Zero. Okay, place kicker, onside kick. And we recover it, go down, score, break Michigan's heart in the big house. Look up that game. It should be on YouTube somewhere. It was a fantastic finish. Jim Barry did a. He used to do these called Jim's jingles. He used to rap. He goes. It was. He did it to "Don't worry, be happy." You want to? I can keep going if you want because this. No, you is got so an good. appointment. It's t- <laughs> I my secretary has not texted me that the person is here. I'm just saying. All that's right, a, that's a rabbit hole you're going to go down. Right now. <laughs> keep going, but we didn't fight. But it would be great to play in the big house to play in the horseshoe to have them come here to go play and play. We played Michigan State. We were yep. supposed to play them in in, in Sparty Land. We couldn't because. Uh, of the pandemic, and they played down here, and they beat us, right? I think Does this mean Ohio State's a natural rival then? I, I think mean, that was established a... by Terry Porter, you know? But that's going to be a, an we, annual we, thing. We won that. No, I don't think it's going to be an annual thing, because they're, they're, we did away with divisions, so there's no more coastal. Rest in peace, Poor went out for the coastal. No more coastal, coastal chaos. Coastal chaos. Uh, but I think Big Ten's doing away with divisions also. Hello, you have two teams on the Pacific Coast. Also, if we join the Big Ten... We've always wanted to play USC. We said we should play USC mm-hmm. in the early 2000s when, when yep. Matt Lyon and Reggie Bush were coming out. I've had this conversation with Matt Lyon. Yep. Man, you were two years too late. We were two years too early. If that those two teams would have gone yep. at it, I think Epic. UM would have would have won. Biased, but 
USC, UCLA. We played UCLA in the, that was Butch Davis's first game, I want to say, as head coach was in the Rose Bowl. So, yeah. Anyways, Jorge hasn't done the, the thing, but I'm looking at the clock. We have to wrap it up because I have an appointment that I have to record two podcasts. It'll be on 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. A lot of things. Uh, when you go to pray, and let's use this pitching analogy. By the way, we kept saying pitch clock. MLB wants us to call it pitch timer. Oh, get out of here. Pitch timer, I'm thinking of what you do, <laughs> that little thing you put on top of the stove to remind you yep. the rice is ready or the eggs are boiled or whatever. Yep. Stop it. Don't put a pitch timer on your prayer life. Hey, how about that? How's that for a segue? No. Look at the gospel. Look at today's gospel, Matthew 25, about Jesus at the end times taking care of the poor, identifying with the poor, identifying with those who have none, like schools in the ACC. Anyways, let us ask God to be with us during this Lenten journey, and we'll see you again 5 a.m. tomorrow morning. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.